So I've always been a rule follower and rules tell me if I'm being good or bad. And dieting tells you, you know, keto, you don't eat bread. Bread is bad. You eat broccoli. And so it's like, it's very black and white and it takes a lot of the thinking out of it. And so even though we may be mentally tormented, there's still a comfort in a lot in dieting for a lot of us because, um, we can kind of, you know, give ourselves a grade at the end of the day, you were good or you were bad. And welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber. This is an excerpt from a review by Christina on Audible, and it's called Awestruck. I feel like I have found my sisterhood in a sense. I have been evaluated slash tested for ADHD three times in my life. I am seeing that I am able to break down my bad habits and not only find triggers, but also work with them so I'm not struggling with bridging a motivation gap in a game of tug of war. The insight in this podcast is amazing. I'm able to fall asleep at night knowing that my brain isn't buzzing against me, but rooting for me in its own way. Thank you, Christina, my fellow buzzing brain. And yes, I love how we are now able to lean into our strengths and even recognize them instead of always feeling like terrible failures like we did before our diagnoses. If you've been listening to this podcast and loving it, please take a moment to leave me a review either on Apple Podcasts or on Audible, or you can just pause right now and just go hit the five stars. Super easy. It helps so much in terms of getting this podcast noticed by other women who might just be starting their diagnosis journey and they really need to hear these stories and feel like finally they are understood and no longer alone and they've found their people. All right, let's get started with episode 37 in which I interview Rihanna Teixeira. I think I got that right. I hope so. Anyway, Rihanna is the brilliant mind behind the Instagram account, The Fight for Beauty, and she also co-hosts a podcast of the same name. She is passionate about sharing her story of recovering from eating disorders and chronic dieting, and her Instagram focuses on showing women how to ditch dieting and embrace their bodies in a world that tells them they need to be small to be worthy. Rihanna was diagnosed with ADHD in January and has been on the journey of learning to embrace her ADHD tendencies. We talk about how her memory was so terrible that she found herself Googling early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 33. But then when she started watching some of Shailene Johnson's ADHD videos, she started to put the pieces together. And we also talk about the connections between ADHD and disordered eating and the wild west of ADHD nutrition advice. So you're really going to like this one. Enjoy. I've been following you for ages. I don't even remember when I started following you, but I started following you because of your anti-diet body image work, because that's what I do. And I, I mean, your stuff is amazing and so funny and so clever. And it's funny because I was looking back through your feed uh, in preparation for this interview and I'm like, the signs were there all along. <laughs> Right. So yeah, so I've been following you. I don't remember when I started following you, but I've been following you. And then I was looking back because you had posted this great reel, I think it was on Instagram about having your ADHD diagnosis and your doctor telling you that you needed to cut out sugar. And you were like, yeah, no, that's not happening. And I was like, oh my God, like, I love when those two worlds collide. And I, and then I posted it and then you were like, oh my God, ADHD. And uh, it must've been when I found you. Um, cause I I don't remember how I found you, but it must've been like, maybe you shared that post or something. 
I, I did. I shared that post and then, and, but I was looking back cause it feels like it was really long ago. And I looked back at it and it was only February 1st. And I'm like, Oh, right. I forgot like ADHD years. One month is basically <laughs> like a decade in ADHD. Right. <laughs> I want to talk to you all about diet recovery too, because I feel like, I mean, ADHD and diets are just like this toxic combination. And uh, I've made so many crazy realizations about my own history with yo-yo dieting and binge eating and, and orthorexia and all of that. And so, but first I want to hear about your diagnosis, like what kind of, what were some of the signs that led you to seek this out and how did you come to this place where you actually got this diagnosis? Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, back when I was, I guess around fifth grade, I remember overhearing my my mom talking about wanting to get me tested for ADHD. And she actually just told me this a few weeks ago, but, um, you know, she had done some research. She ended up not getting me tested for whatever reason, but she had, you know, found some research that said certain vitamins and minerals will help, especially in the moment. Like if you need concentration right away. And the reason she wanted me tested was because, um, I had a really hard time focusing in school. That was the feedback I would get from all my teachers is that, they'd catch me. I'd be staring at the window daydreaming and I would get a lot of anxiety around tests, that sort of thing. So, um, I guess my mom had purchased some like liquid vitamins for me to spray in my mouth before I would take a test or like needed to, uh, sit through like a math class, something like that to help me focus. Um, so that was kind of always in the back of my mind of like, maybe I have it, but as you go on through life, you just kind of forget about it. And, um, really for me, over the last few years, I would joke. I feel like a lot of people will joke about it. Like, oh gosh, I have ADHD. And it's kind of become like a, like not, people don't take it seriously almost. Like it's just, you know, you see like that dog on the movie Up who has ADHD yeah. and people are like, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, without having a real understanding of what ADHD actually is. So it was a, a little over a year ago, I noticed things were happening with my brain. I was becoming more forgetful. I was losing things a lot more. I, I have a really hard time focusing in work meetings to the point where I would be sitting. And if a meeting would start to go over, it's a lot of time. I would start to feel super physically uncomfortable. Like I would get like physically, I felt like rage was building up inside of me almost. Um, and I just started noticing these little like changes. And, but the thing that really got my attention was the memory. Um, because, you know, at work, someone would say, oh, we talked about this. I told you X, Y, Z a few weeks ago, and I would have truly no memory of that even happening. So I started to actually worry and started doing research because I thought, what if I have early onset Alzheimer's? <laughs> and it sounds funny to say out loud, but that was truly like a concern I had. So I was researching online, everything online was basically saying I'm too young. You know, I was 33 at the time when I started researching this. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling frustrated because I would try to like voice my frustrations to my friends and, you know, they would, they would try to be empathetic, but they would say, well, you're under a lot of stress. And then of course, when COVID happened, everything just got accentuated and, I was buying memory books on Amazon. Like I was starting to play Sudoku. Like I'm like, I need to take care of my brain. <laughs> it's so like, so sad to look back on. I'm like, I was just so scared. And then, um, I had a friend who got diagnosed with, uh, autism and 
she's not like how you see autism portrayed in the media. And so I, you know, she was sharing with me some of her symptoms and I was like, that's super interesting. I could relate to some of them. So, you know, I, I researched that online and some of the stuff I was like, yeah, that's me, but there wasn't enough to really convince me. I kind of felt like, oh, I, I just don't fit all the categories on that. And I even took like a few self like diagnosis tests on, on online just to see if I did. And they would all come back and say, no, it wasn't until I was following, I think her, her name is Shailene Johnson. I hope I pronounced it correctly on Instagram. I followed her for a few years because she does a lot of like business tips on Instagram. And she started openly sharing about her ADHD symptoms and she can make it kind of seem fight or light and funny. Um, but then she'll get a bit more in depth. And as I watched, I just noticed I resonated with almost everything that she would share. And I finally was like, I have to, this, I'm convinced this is what I have. It all makes sense. Um, so I called my doctor went in for a test. They did, um, this long diagnostic test on me and it came back that I have ADHD. And for me, it was truly like such a relief because I was like, okay, I, I have an answer now. Like now I have something to work with. Whereas before I just felt like I couldn't get a, get a hold of my own brain. I couldn't understand what was wrong with me. I felt like I was stupid all the time. I felt like, um, yeah, just felt bad, awful about myself. So, yeah. So that started my, started my journey. Yeah. Her stuff has been great. Um, and yeah, her TikTok videos are fantastic. I'm, I, I'm curious how many people have come to their own realization because of her. Right. Uh, and, and you're right. She does portray it in such a nuanced way, which is like, yeah, like I attribute a, or I credit ADHD for so many of my successes, but it's not just this superpower, you know, like there are a lot of these sort of hidden struggles mm -hmm. and, um, so the Alzheimer's thing is totally common. I feel like I hear that a lot when, especially when, you know, mothers, yeah. <laughs> uh, because our brains go through such an intense change when you throw a baby in the mix. And I think a lot of us kind of maybe, like you said, like it didn't take it seriously or didn't see like the dark side, quote unquote, of ADHD until motherhood came along. And then it was like, oh, like I'm really struggling. And then that sense, like you said, with your friends where they sort of say things like, well, everybody struggles or, you know, you're a mom, it's fine, you know, mm -hmm. and and realizing like having to come to that point where you think, no, like I this is more than just new mom things or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and interesting about the autism too, because I, since my ADHD diagnosis have learned so much more about the overlap with autism and ADHD. And, you know, when I was diagnosed, that was all I thought about was ADHD. I was like, I'm going to research this, I'm going to do this. And it became like my world. Um, and kind of accidentally, I started realizing how much overlap there is and just this neurodivergent spectrum right. that, you know, sometimes I will talk to women who adult women who have been diagnosed or self-diagnosed with autism. And I talked to them and I was, and I'm like, 
yeah, I need to look into this. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, it's fascinating how like one person might incidentally get diagnosed with ADHD. Another person might incidentally get diagnosed with autism. But I think that it just really, it comes down to more like of our, uh, experiential diagnosis more than, more than just like you're one, you're this and you're this, right. uh, there's so much interesting, fascinating overlap in terms of like how we're affected, you know, like some people, I just did a, I just like did a poll on Instagram of, of lateness because, you know, lateness is one of those things that uh, is always attributed with ADHD or always kind of joked about just like I lost my keys, the lateness thing. And I've never been late. Like I am always like prompt to the, to a fault, like where I, if I have an appointment at 2 PM, like from basically 10 AM on, I can't do anything. I'm just like, I have this thing and I, I can't focus. I can't start anything else. And so I did a poll to find out if, you know, other people felt that way. And it was, it was the, the, I think it was like 75 to 25 in favor of being prompt. So. Yeah. And it's, that actually is one ADHD. I I'm like you where I, I hate being late, like with a passion. And if, if I'm ever trying to be late, like to a party, I get there on time. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one thing because my doctor had said, like, how's your time management? And I'm like, my time management is great. That is not a concern for me um, because I'm like you. It's like uh, if I know I have something, um, I will plan my entire day to make sure that thing does not, um, you know, that I'm not late to it. And and that can sometimes be hard for me because other people don't have that same drive to be on time for something. So and I feel like I went out of my way to make sure I was on time somewhere to the point where it affected whether I did or didn't do other things during the day and then other people yeah. are late or they don't show up. That that's been a really hard thing for me to walk through. Yeah. And you know, it was when I was diagnosed, my doctor was asking me similar questions and she was, and there were a lot of things where I felt like I didn't struggle in a typical way that people do, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to losing things or, um, you know, like I spend so much time organizing my calendar and making sure I don't forget things and I have reminders and alerts and alarm, like constantly. And so I sort of felt like, no, I actually sort of have a handle on a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she sort of, and, and then I was worried that she was going to say I didn't have ADHD. And then what? Um, but she recognized how she was like, you're a really hard worker. Mm-hmm. And it just like, I wanted to cry in that doctor's office because I felt like nobody had ever said you're a hard worker, <laughs> you know, like in, or at least if they had, I just hadn't heard it in the way that I needed to in that moment of like, wow, you're right. Like I do spend a lot of time making sure I remember things or, you know, like making sure I don't forget because my nature is to forget everything. And so like, I work that much harder at trying to, to be on time and make sure I don't forget and and show up and all of these things that become so important to me that, yeah, when somebody is late, it drives me crazy because I do want to be, I want to be empathetic towards what is causing that person to be late, but I do kind of take it personally. Like I got to admit, I I sometimes feel like you don't care enough about me to be on time. And, And so many people with ADHD talk about how difficult that is to be perceived in that way. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. I kind of do think that. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it's just interesting because I'm such a planner. So I've, I've said this about myself for years where it's like, 
you know, Sunday evening, I know how my week is going to go through Saturday for the most part, you know, and it, it's really throws me off when someone wants to change plans or, or, you know, a time changes and not to the point where like, you know, I, I become mean or, um, do you know what I mean? Like I can adjust, but it is really frustrating for me because I like to have a plan. I like to know what to expect and yeah, it can kind of throw me for a loop when things go off plan. And mm-hmm. I actually sort of realized that I felt that way when my son came along because my son does not transition very well at anything, you know, especially like getting into the bathtub or bedtime. And then it was like new teachers. And there were just all of these little moments in his childhood mm-hmm. that he would just flip out because there was a transition. And, and I, didn't realize, you know, I just obviously never made those connections until I understood what ADHD was. And then I saw it in him and then realized, oh, I don't throw a tantrum because I'm, I'm an adult, but yeah, I also have a lot of difficulty with these things still in adulthood. Right. It's like that internal boil almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Internally. Well, yeah, right. And I think that that is something definitely that I uh, connected to the most. Like you said, I, you know, there were years where I sort of would joke about being ADHD. My therapist suggested I had it years ago. And I was sort of like, eh, I don't know, maybe I do, maybe I don't. I don't feel very hyperactive. So I don't feel like that's, I I didn't relate to it. Um, or like you said, the Doug from up, which, Yeah. yeah, like I don't relate to that whole squirrel. Um, stereotype that people joke about with ADHD. But then when I started reading about uh, emotional regulation and rumination and making those connections, I was just like, oh yeah, this is, this explains my entire life. It's interesting because, um, are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? Yeah. Yeah. So on the Enneagram, I am a three, which is the achiever. So for a lot of my entire adult life, I have almost always had two jobs always. Like even when I haven't necessarily needed one and I, I looking back, I've always just attributed that to, I'm a hard worker. That's something that I take very seriously. Um, in most jobs I've been in, I tend to get promoted or move up into leadership, uh, just because I do take my job seriously, no matter what it is. And I work very hard. Um, but it's funny because even in times where maybe I didn't necessarily need a second job because of finances, I'd always gravitate towards picking up a side hustle. And I was listening to this audiobook. I want to say the book is called, and you're probably familiar with it. I think it's called, so you mean I'm not, um, lazy, like, crazy and stupid. yeah, something else. Yeah. And one of the things they had said was, uh, women with ADHD, tend like their hyperactivity can sometimes manifest in getting a second job. And then it said, or deciding to run a marathon on a weekend, which is a thing I have done multiple times out of the blue. And it was like, I felt so seen because like what you said, when I would hear hyperactive, I guess in my mind, ADHD, I always attached it to what I, you know, like a adolescent boy who gets in trouble at school, who can't control his emotions. And so that's what I always imagined But then to actually hear, like when she said that, I was like, oh, okay. So it's interesting too, because on the Enneagram, I am more driven to take on more than I can handle. And I am more driven to work hard. Uh, And then combine that with ADHD, sometimes it it can feel 
yeah, just uh, exhausting. You know, when I first moved to Florida, I was working a job here and I was still working for my job in California who was on, um, Pacific time. So I was working from eight in the morning to 10 o'clock at night here and stuff like, and that I just do it, you know? And, um, when I didn't have that to do, like when I didn't have my second job based out of California, I found myself being very bored and almost, you know, getting more anxiety and finding myself more irritable because I didn't have something to, to distract me, I guess. Mm, yeah. That's something I feel like, a lot of us have in common is the inability to relax mm -hmm. and the sort of accompanying feeling of guilt that comes with downtime yes. and, and feeling like that there's a sense of boredom if you're not constantly doing a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then also the sense of like vague disappointment when you complete a task, which I think is interesting. And that's the other, you know, I, I talk to many women who really don't relate to the physical hyperactivity, like you said. And so they're reluctant to even call it ADHD. They still kind of go by the old ADD. Right. And, and, but yeah, it was like you said, like I, once I made that mental connection that the hyperactivity is internal and it's exhibited as impulsivity, it's exhibited as rumination. I mean, all of those ways in which your brain just won't stop, like that's where that hyperactivity is. Then I was able to kind of embrace the H in wow. ADHD uh, much more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, just hearing all of this, like I said, when I got my diagnosis, I was so relieved and it's funny because some people would reach out and they would be like, you need someone to talk to because of, of, you know, the stigma attached to it. And I'm like, I actually don't have any shame. I'm like, because I'm just relieved to know that I'm not unwell, that I don't have dementia or, you know, early onset Alzheimer's. And um, I finally, it's like, I finally have words to describe my day-to-day -day experience that I just thought there were so many things weird about me, honestly, you know. Hey, it's Katie. Do you feel out of control around food? Do you feel mystified by the concept of intuitive eating? Are you wondering how your ADHD plays into your complicated relationship with food and your body? Do you want to make positive changes, but the thought of going on yet another diet makes you want to scream? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you're going to want to check out my Worth It With Katie small group coaching program. We meet for six consecutive weeks in a small, supportive virtual group led by yours truly, and we communicate with and support each other in a private online forum throughout the week between our sessions. Each week, we dive deep into our own complicated histories with dieting, and body image, and exercise, and we look at these topics through the lens of ADHD and why so many of us struggle with binge eating and impulsive overeating and poor body image and self-worth. Here's some of the feedback I've been getting from the current participants in the Worth It With Katie group coaching program. One of them says, I am rethinking everything I thought I knew about health and my body. Another one says, I am loving the realness of Katie and all the other participants. This has been life-changing. I have stopped binging and my constant hunger no longer controls my day. My mental health has improved and I am happier than I have been in years. The insights into how my ADHD fits in with my history of yo-yo dieting have been revelatory. Another one says, my thinking about health, food, and my body has changed completely. And finally, this program is so, so, so good. If you're ready to ditch dieting for good and nourish your body from the inside out, head over to my website, worthitwithkatie.com slash coaching. And again, that's worthitwithkatie.com slash coaching. 
The link is in the episode show notes. Head over to find out more information and claim your spot in the next program. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody forwarded me um, an Instagram post the other day that said, did you know entrepreneurs are like 10 times more likely to suffer from ADHD? And I said, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> but then I just was like cringing at the the way it was phrased, you know, suffering from ADHD. And I was like, what do I do with that? Because on the one hand, I feel like same, like when I, my diagnosis was a revelation. I felt like a freaking um, uh Phoenix rising from the ashes of this sort of emotional meltdown that I had had during my pandemic and kind of really all of a sudden putting all these pieces together and all of these seemingly random difficulties that I had struggled with over my entire life just made sense. And it was, it blew me away. Like I felt like, I felt like the world was my oyster. I just sort of, I had so much hope and, and happiness around that diagnosis. And then I kind of opened up and, and came out to the world and my reaction from a lot of people uh, was like DMing me being like, you're so brave to talk about this. And people who were reacting like it, I had come out with this terminal illness. And, um, and, and so that there is that stigma and it is something that I forget about. And then if I put out a, an ADHD post, inevitably somebody will say, I'm sorry, you're struggling. Right. And I'm like, and, and it's funny because the people who have ADHD will comment on these posts and be like, oh my God, right? Yeah, I know. So relatable. And like, we all kind of, when you share something vulnerable about it, people with ADHD get how important it is to just like vent or talk about it or, or understand what is happening. And there, and you don't necessarily want pity. <laughs> you know, you're not looking for that. It's not like a cry for help. It's not like, you know, feel bad for me or anything that I'm struggling or, but, and so when I do get those reactions, when I do get those, like, I'm so sorry, have you tried, you know, whatever keto or whatever they're trying to tell me to do? Like, uh, you know, the, I get, I get so irritated and I don't know what to do with that. I mean, usually I just sort of clam up and ignore it, but like, I feel like there is that there is a stigma there. And, and I don't know, how do you respond? How do you react to that when you, when you get people who are almost like talking down to you in a way or, or pitying you? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess <laughs> I'm trying to think how I've, re how I've reacted or responded. You know, a lot of the times I, because I am so new into this journey, I will just respond with like, I'm learning so much. Like, you know, I don't, but it, it was interesting because when I first got diagnosed and then their response, I was like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to feel bad about myself for this. Like, but now mm, every, yeah. everyone's reacting is like, you should feel bad. And, you know, I think maybe because just in my life in general, over the last few years, I have learned to be okay with people not understanding something that I live out, such as like with my Instagram account with, you know, coming out against diet culture and, um, talking, you know, just talking about diets and my journey. And I think I am just used to people not understanding me in a sense. And so for me and on the flip side of it, I'm like, I feel like I've gone through so much in my life. I don't have, I have no shame about this diagnosis. You know what I mean? It's like, there are with everything out there. And like you said, it's like, I'm not, it's not like I have a terminal 
illness. Like I'm going to be okay. I have tools now. It's, it's just, it's interesting because I truly didn't realize I people feel bad about having this until I came out with the diagnosis, so to speak. Yeah. And I, I'm, I've spoken to people who are in their twenties who face, um, stigma or, um, uh, prejudice in the workplace, you know, like they're worried that if they openly speak about their ADHD, they won't get hired. And I feel like I'm like in a more seasoned area of life. Like I'm like, I don't have to worry about that anymore, but it breaks my heart that, that, that it is the case. And so I understand why, people feel so reluctant to talk about it, but that just, again, like diet culture, that, that perpetuates the stigma. Like it, you know, I feel like so much of my own diagnosis ends up being advocacy, just like when I left dieting, right. Which is like, I, there, I, there's so many parallels, right. Because like, I felt like it was the same feeling of like this light bulb going off when I finally, I read help at every size. I read help at every size before I read intuitive eating. Usually it's the other way around for people. But like, I read that when I was still, I I actually listened to that book on my way to and from Weight Watchers meetings because I was a Weight Watchers leader. And like, I, yeah. (laughs) And so I... (laughs) Um, I hadn't like cut the cord yet, but I was like dipping my toe in. And I remember just like that feeling of, of taking the red pill and being like, why did I never see this? Why did I not make these connections? Like I'm a smart person. Why am I so entrenched in diet culture? Oh my God. Like, it was just like, I have to get out of here. And, and so there are like so many parallels, I think with that realization of like, oh, it all makes sense. Now the curtain has been thrown back. Um, and now what I need to do is help others who haven't, who aren't there yet and who haven't seen that and are still entrenched and still feel terrible, terrible about themselves. Right, yeah. I feel like this is a good segue. Cause I want to, I want to hear about your, um, recovery story and how you started the fight for beauty and kind of how that, how that transpired over the years. Yeah. So it's been, you know, it's so interesting. I just love how life has so many redeeming qualities in it because all of my life I have struggled with eating disorders to some degree. And even when I was in, you know, I went into treatment for it. And even there people would say to you, well, you know, this may be something you'll have to deal with for the rest of your life. And you hear that amongst just, you know, counselors, friends, families. And so all that to say, to be in a place now where I'm, I can truthfully, honestly say eating disorders are not a part of my life anymore. It's, I'm so passionate about this kind of like how you are about, you know, helping women feel, um, no shame with their diagnosis where I'm just like, no, you need to know that there's hope in life on the other side. So yeah, I I've struggled almost my whole life with eating disorders. Um, And now having the ADHD diagnosis, I can see how um, that has played into it because I would become very obsessive over different diets and whether it was a cabbage soup diet or the military diet or you name it, I've done every single diet and I would get just very like obsessed with my goals and was primarily struggled the most with bulimia. Um, I went through like a pseudo recovery in my late twenties. And I say that because I did recover from bulimia. I wasn't binging and purging anymore, but it developed into orthorexia. So I became 
I mean, my body and food were my hobby. That was my passion and that was my obsession. So with orthorexia, I became very obsessed with wanting to eat clean and reading every label on every uh, item of food I bought because I needed to see every ingredient. And um, it got to the point where I started developing a lot of like different food sensitivities. So I was seeing different holistic doctors. I was taking, gosh, I mean, no exaggeration, probably 10 to 15 supplements a day for different conditions, whether it was my gut or my liver or you name it, there's a supplement out there. And it just became this really overbearing, obsessive season for me. And during that season, I started binging again, eventually. And even over time, I started purging again. So in 2017, I had completely relapsed back into bulimia. I felt so low and so awful during that relapse because I was afraid to tell people. I was afraid that um, they would be tired of this. Like they would be, because a lot of my friends had lived through the first recovery with me. So I was afraid that that this would be the thing that would make them walk away. Um, Thankfully, I have amazing friends. So when I, you know, told them what I was going through, I was really able to, to really start my journey of walking away from diet culture completely. I had gotten to a point where I had to make the decision and come to the realization that I would rather gain weight and at least be free from the torment that food had over me. Um, then be thin and having to deal with that anymore. Like to me, I just, I had to just say, I need to give my body permission to do what it needs to do. And if that means gain weight, then so be it. And of course that's easier said than done. Um, that was a process to walk through, but that was really when I, I started, um, toying a lot with intuitive eating and with everybody, I think it's a process, you know, for me, I was practicing intuitive eating, but still not really incorporating a lot of my fear foods. It kind of was, it was a process. So it took a few months for me to really walk through that. And I started listening to Christy Harrison's uh, podcast who she's a great, you know, advocate for health at every size. And, And it just, that's when it really just all started to click into place for me where I had like a similar realization as you did, where I was like, wait, I'm a smart person. Wellness culture is the same as diet culture. It's just a lot more expensive. (laughs) Like my eyes just started being opened where I was just like, wow, like there, there were so many times and so many things that I was doing in my own life that I thought were healthy or that I thought I had to do not realizing that a lot of these things were, were causing problems in my body. You know, the food sensitivities that I developed when I started eating normally, they all magically went away, (laughs) like stuff like that. And, you know, I, I started following different accounts on Instagram and, you know, at first when you're new into this world, it's, it's like a light bulb goes off, but it's also so mind boggling at the same time. Cause you're just like, this information been there the whole time? Like it's, it's crazy. (laughs) So it was about a year from my, a little over a year from when I had relapsed to when I started my uh, fight for beauty Instagram account. And the reason I started it was because, you know, as I was going through the process of healing and meeting with my counselor and immersing myself into this, you know, this world of, of body respect, really, 
it was Thanksgiving 2018. And I remember I sat down on my sister's couch after dinner and I looked at my Facebook and there are all these posts from people about what, you know, they felt so bloated, they felt so gross and they need to start a new diet. And I, it, I realized I was like, I actually haven't thought about food or my body all day. And it was just this moment for me where I just felt like people need to know that there's freedom. And that weekend I started my fight for beauty account. And this is truly the first thing that I have really ever fully committed myself to for this long. Um, I've always been someone who I get a great idea and I'll be all in and it will die down after a few weeks, you know? Um, but I started that, uh, no, November, 2018 and, you know, we're in 2021 now and I, I, it's just become something I'm so passionate about when I started it, I told myself, I want to post things that I needed to hear at one point that I wasn't hearing. And yeah, it's been, it's been amazing, truly just to see the the community that's out there, how so many of us, you know, you feel so isolated when you struggle with food or your body, you feel like you're the only one but to meet so many thousands of women out there who have had this exact same experiences. And yeah, it's just, I'd be happy spending the rest of my life helping helping women walk free if that's what I'm called to do. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I'm very open about my own experiences with therapy. I've been seeing the same therapist for years, and in fact, it was my therapist who first suggested I had ADHD and set me on this personal path of transformation. But it also took a while to find the right fit for me, which is why it's so awesome that online resources like BetterHelp exist. The service is available for clients worldwide, so there's a broad range of expertise, which may not be available locally for a lot of us. Also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash Women ADHD. You know, when I started, my account is called Worth It with Katie, and I actually started Worth It as um, to help women lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I was all about like, you're worth it, you know, the health is worth it. And and I had my uh, like aha moment was with my daughter because I thought I was being such a wonderful, healthy role model for my daughter, showing her how much I cared about myself and my body and how much I exercised and how I put the right foods in my body and all this stuff. And I had this moment when everybody was eating burgers. It was like in the summertime and everybody had buns on their burgers, except for me, I had my burger without a bun. And I just sort of had that moment where I was like, Nothing about that choice has to do with health. Everything about that choice has to do with my size. And I just had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like how much, which, what are my decisions? How many of my decisions are based on my size versus how many of my decisions are based on my actual health? And I was like, yeah, it seems like pretty much all of them. And and I was like, what am I teaching my daughter? By teaching my daughter the importance of being small. And that was it. I was like, once I could sort of see it as a mother to the next generation, that was like it for me. I was like, no, I'm never, ever going to make another decision based on being small ever again. Right. Um, 
And, and so, you know, it pivoted. And I think, you know, the, the reason why I've been able to keep the name and I think that like why you can stay with something for so long when things become boring and think, you know, you lose interest is because the account is much more about you and your journey. And it's just documenting your journey wherever it takes you. You know, I think it, I think we can stay with those, uh, with those accounts much longer because it really becomes less about what the message is and more about just like, like you said, like putting what you needed that day and putting it out there in the hopes that somebody else is going to relate. I wish I had a list because of course I can't remember any of them right now, but even just like the other day, you're one about sugar addiction. It was just like, you just like have these zingers where you just see things like, and you, and you, you talk about things in a way that haven't been talked about. And that's, I love that because sometimes I feel like I see the same anti-diet messages over and over and over again. I'm so bored by them. Yeah. I mean, I totally, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying too, because sometimes like right now I'm kind of on a sugar kick where I've been thinking a lot more about sugar, but it's, it's just funny because to me, I just know this, right? Like, because it's, I just, have been educating myself on it. But then it, it's funny because when I post this, I'm always surprised the people that comment where they're like, wow, that was so, that's so true. Or you explained that so well. And I'm like, I have to remind myself, like there are always new people searching for new information. So what may feel like not new information to me, there's someone out there that is looking for that. And um, yeah, I, I do sometimes have a fear of like being repetitive and like, how many times, how many times do I have to like say like, you shouldn't go on a diet, you know, but at the same time, there's, you know, there's people, there's girls just like how I was a few years ago that are stuck in the cycle and they're looking for a way out. And so sometimes I have to like remind myself like, okay, just because it feels repetitive to me, you know, it's not going to be repetitive to someone else. And it could actually be the thing that helps take them out of that, that world. Yeah. It's also helped me because on the days when I'm feeling stuck and I'm like, I have no new content today and I haven't planned anything ahead of time. I'm like, oh, let me just see what I wrote two years ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just re, I'll just reuse that. Totally. I've done that before more than once. <laughs> uh, so that's something like had never occurred to me until now when I'm like, oh, that's why I never post things again. I should, I should stop doing that. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> Um, so that's, and the, the other post that you did recently, which again was like, I've heard, I've never heard it said so simply and wonderfully, which was when you were like, we're talking about intermittent fasting and you were like, we fast in our sleep. That's when we fast. (laughs) You're just like, yes. Right. It's Um, funny because whenever I've talked about intermittent fasting, you know, there's, there's two worlds out there that really, that you can really get their attention and get a lot of hate mail if you talk badly about them or maybe three, but whole 30 and intermittent fasting are always the two for me where people just come out of the woodworks and they'll be like, but it's good for you. I'm like, right. That's why we naturally fast between dinner and breakfast. Like, and, and that's what diet culture does in general, where it takes a little bit of truth, but then it needs, it wants to make money off of this. Right. And so now people are selling ketones to drink while you're fasting. So that way you won't be tempted and all this, all this junk. And it's, it's like, they just try to monopolize. They take a little bit of truth and then see what they can do to make billions of dollars off of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something I've been exposed to now as I've delved into the 
into my ADHD diagnosis and pivoting to working with women who have ADHD who have struggled with binge eating because I feel like binge eating is something that a lot of women uh, who have ADHD struggle with. And I think that there's a lot of kind of entry points into why that is, you know, a lot, like I used to only think about binge eating in terms of the fact that it was a reaction to deprivation. And now I think about it a lot more in terms of impulsivity and, and inattentiveness, you know, forgetting to eat or just being inattentive when it comes to, um, fullness, you know, and it's something that is something we struggle with. And so it's been really eye-opening for me in terms of just opening up my mind to many other reasons that could be behind why we binge eat. But I've also really been, um, you know, it's a wild west in terms of ADHD and nutrition and ADHD and supplementation. And I feel like so much of it is really toxic and diety. And, but it's, I feel like, I really struggle with, um, you know, talking about changing your eating habits or adopting a certain lifestyle. Like for instance, intermittent fasting and keto and Whole30, they're really popular in the ADHD community because it's all about focus and energy and maximizing your brain. And so it's not about size, which is something that, you know, it was easy for me to make those choices when it was, is this about my size or is this not about my size? But now it's all about, you know, biohacking and tweaking and all of that stuff. And it's like a whole new confusion to me because I get swept up in that. I get swept up in that, like, well, I need to be doing this and this and this for my focus and energy. And I've just swapped out, you know, pant size for focus and energy. And I'm like, I see how prey, like how I'm falling prey to a lot of this dogma. But at the same time, like there is a way in which you want to maximize your health. I mean, like it's so murky for me. And I'm just curious if you have, like, have you been thinking about that at all? Because so like when we talk about diets, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just see so many women struggling Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know. It's just something I think about all the time now, which is like, where do you draw the line between tweaking your meals or tweaking the way you eat or what you eat in order to feel good? Versus like, oh, this is a slippery slope into diet culture again. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would, I would dare to say it's murky because wellness culture a lot has, diet culture has tried to monopolize health. And so there are a lot of healthy things out there that are actually good for you. They're good for your body that a lot of us will associate with dieting because dieting has tried to monopolize that as well. I guess it's going to go back to the person, you know, for, for a lot of the people I talk to or for myself, you know, I had to put wellness, health and wellness on the back burner for a period of my life for probably about a year because it was just, all of it was so much in bed with diet culture. I didn't know kind of like what you were saying, where it's like, am I drinking kombucha because it's healthy for me and I like it? Or am I drinking it because I'm trying to avoid drinking soda? Like, do you know what I mean? And so I had to like go on this journey of, I walked away from it completely. And, um, I think that the purpose of intuitive eating and the purpose of, you know, movements like health at every size is, is to empower people to make decisions for their own health and their own body on their own time. 
So, you know, for me, that meant I had to walk away from really anything health and wellness for a full year. For others, it might be shorter. For others, it might be longer. And once I was able to get to a point where, you know, I'd eaten all my fear foods, I wasn't afraid of eating chocolate cake. I wasn't afraid. I didn't feel better about myself if I chose an apple over a donut. Once I got all the foods on the playing, on the same playing field, I was able to connect more with my body to where it's, for me, almost become second nature to opt for something more nutrient dense because I do want to feel good in my own body. You know, I, I don't want to wake up and eat a heavy breakfast every day because I just know for myself, it's going to make me feel fatigued and drained the rest of the day. I think, I don't even know if I'm helping answer your question at all, but once I think we are able to really disassociate our, it comes down to motive. I guess it just comes down to motive is it's like, am, am I doing this because I want to hopefully lose some weight if I, if I try this out. And for me, if that is even just an inkling of my intention, I don't do it because I want to, I just want to squash that in, internally. Um, or am I doing it because you know, I take, I take athletic greens every morning. Um, whereas in the past I used to take it because I, I believed that if I drank greens, I would eat less sugar. Like that would help my sugar addiction. But now I truly take it because, um, I just notice I feel better. So I think like making those, making those life changes, um, always comes back down to the motive. I don't know if I answered your question at all, but no, that's, (laughs) That is great. And, and I think, you know, you really, the keyword is fear. I think dealing with that fear, um, when it comes to certain foods and again, like asking, like I had that exact same relationship with salads for a long time, which was like, am I eating the salad because I think I should, or am I eating the salad because this is genuinely what my body wants? Like it's, you really do have to deconstruct like your relationship with every food. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It is. And then sometimes I think too, like, you know, I don't, I don't post what I eat a lot on Instagram. If I ever do share it to a story, it's going to be a more fun food just because like I, I do eat more nutrient dense. I like to eat a big salad at lunch and, um, everyone's on a different journey. So I don't ever want someone to look at my Instagram story who's in recovery and they're, you know, like you, where they're trying to kind of get away from the salads to see if that's a diety thing or not. I don't want them to see a more nutrient dense meal that I'm eating and be triggered by it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's one other thing I see in a lot with ADHD women communities, which is that desire for like the answer, you know, which is like, what is the fastest, quickest way for me to get from point A to point B? And I want rules. I want, you know, which is why we loved dieting so much because it was like dieting is nothing but like tracking and weighing and, you know, these dopamine hits and immediately, you know, you get to see like what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And then you get chronically overwhelmed and then you quit, you know? And so it's like, like, I feel like it's within us to kind of get swept up in a lot of rules and like, what is the proper way to do things? And, and, and I think a lot of that comes down to just our history of feeling inadequate and feeling like we can't trust ourselves. And that intuition is something that I think a lot of women ADHD or not lose track of because they've been following diets their whole life. And, and so like, I've often found that when I started intuitive eating, 
my intuition was amplified in all aspects of my life. It was amplified with my relationships and business decisions. And it was just like this gift that kept giving (laughs) once I started listening to my gut. And I feel like, um, yeah, like I, you know, I, I think there is an more so in, in people with ADHD, a tendency to really feel like if I follow the rules, I will get everything right. And intuitive eating is kind of the opposite. Intuitive eating is really like, get rid of all the rules and, and listen to yourself. And so I, I see why people are so desperate for, okay, is it, you know, what do I need to get rid of? Gluten? Done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just funny because, you know, even as a child, my mom will say that she never had to worry about me. Like, she's like, I could leave the front door wide open all day. And I knew you'd never walk out because that was not, I wasn't allowed to. And so I've always been a rule follower. And because like what you said, I'm like, rules tell me if I'm being good or bad. And dieting tells you, you know, keto, you don't eat bread. Bread is bad. You eat broccoli. And so it's like, it's very black and white and it takes a lot of the thinking out of it. And so even though we may be mentally tormented, there's still a comfort in a lot in dieting for a lot of us because, um, we can kind of, you know, give ourselves a grade at the end of the day, you were good or you were bad. And yeah, it's, you know, I, I hosted an intro to intuitive eating webinar yesterday and I was going over, you know, cause a big part of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. Um, but I love that the authors had the wisdom to make that one of the very last steps into intuitive eating, because with a lot of us, even when I was going over the steps to, to gentle nutrition, it's like drink adequate water, you know, make sure you're eating five servings of fruits and veggies a day. It's like, I almost like cringe even saying that because I don't want people to make that a rule. You know, it's, intuitive eating really is. It's like the wild, wild west where you're just like, (laughs) you know, throw yourself out there and see what happens. And it can be, it can be really scary. But for me, um, it's been just so empowering. And of course there was a lot of struggle that led to that point. Um, a lot of times where I felt I messed up or I was a failure or, or I would never get it right. But just to have my power back and to know that Oh, I actually am more powerful than a plate of cookies on the kitchen, on the kitchen counter. You know, like I, I can, I can trust myself around food. I can trust my body. It's just such a revelation because our entire lives we've been told we can't do those things. So, yeah. um, And to be able to go through a day without thinking about food or your body or your, like that is a revelation to so many people. And think of all the things you were able to accomplish because you weren't obsessing. Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked me on Instagram, like, how did you know that you were free? And, you know, there isn't like a moment where you're just like, I hit freedom on this day. It's, it's a lot of like little moments that I started having where, um, you know, one day, and I posted about this on my Instagram and it, I was so amazed how many people shared it, but I was like, I just ate a brownie after lunch on a Monday. And I had completely forgotten that I had even eaten it until a few hours later. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I did have a brownie after lunch. And it was a moment like that where I was like, wow, I would have never let myself have a brownie on a Monday of all days. That was all the day I was starting a new diet, let alone forget that I even ate it. Like it just took up absolutely zero brain space. And I, you know, I still have moments like that sometimes where I forget about ice cream that's in the freezer. And it always just, I always like try to take a moment and like, just feel gratitude because I'm like, 
yeah, you can like actually not be tormented 24 seven over what you did or did not eat. All right. I know we're, I know we're at the hour. Um, I do have a question I asked my guests, which is if you could rename ADHD because those four letters are so problematic, especially for women, is there something else you would call it? I also know you're very new in your journey, yeah. so I don't want to give you any pressure for like coming up with like the, a new diagnostic label. <laughs> um, did you think about it at all? I did. And the word I just kept coming back to was passion and I couldn't make anything like super catchy, like the passion condition. Like I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> that was the word that just, it kept coming back to, because I do really think, you know, just there is such a gift in being hyper-focused in, in certain things. And I think people with ADHD were just very passionate and we love very well and can just appreciate life in, and get excited about life in a way that maybe others need a little bit help getting excited about, you know? So, right. Yeah. That was the word that just kept coming back to me was the word passion. I've often thought about like how excitable we are about new things yeah. and, and like that childlike energy that I absolutely love. Yeah. I'm feeling like you can dial it to 11 at any, <laughs> on, on certain subjects. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's in, yeah, it's funny because one of my best friends has said for years that I get obsessed with things. And she's always said it as a joke and not in a mean way. But then when I got diagnosed and I saw that that's one of the things, I like screenshot it and sent it to her. See, hey, there's a reason. <laughs> are you picking out? Are you going through all the people you love in your life? And you're like, mm, yes, you have it. Mm, yes, you have it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's funny because now you start to like see different it's like when you buy a new car and you've never seen that car before in your life, but then suddenly you see them all the time out on the road. That's kind of what it feels like is happening to me right now, where I'm like, you've been tested for ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've talked about your Instagram account um, and I will definitely put a link to it in the show notes, the fight for beauty. Is there anywhere else that people can reach you or is that really the best, that, um, yeah, I the have, best place to find you first? Yeah, I have a Facebook page, but it kind of feels like the wild, wild west. I visit it every once in a while. Uh, so yeah, Instagram is going to be, Instagram will be the place. <laughs> I know people sometimes like will request to join my Facebook group and I'm like, I'll let you in, but I haven't posted right. anything in 18 months. You're about to be real <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> um, well, but it's been so great. I'm so glad you, we agreed to do this. Um, I, like, I just, I love your content and I love following your journey. And um, yeah, I look forward to just everything you put out there. So thank you for all that you are doing for the body positivity community and um, and now for the ADHD community. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on as, as an amateur and kind of letting me <laughs> process. I, I actually have learned some stuff about myself just even having this conversation. So I really appreciate it. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback. And I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. 
make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.